everyone, I'm Navya, and in this episode, I will be interviewing Veronica Navarro, a child forensic interviewer for the San Mateo County Police Force and licensed therapist. I just want to ask you to maybe like introduce yourself a little bit, talk about what your job is. So I actually have two jobs where I work by myself and I talk to kids and their families about like what's going on in life, how they're feeling, and is and if there's anything they want to change, we work towards um, making those changes together. That's one job that I have. The other job that I have is called a child forensic interviewer. It's a pretty big title, but what it means is I am a person that connects with kids when they have made an allegation of either sexual abuse or sexual assault. Do you think sexual harassment changes a person? Definitely there is trauma after a sexual abuse or a sexual assault. Um, and we differentiate those two. Um, I think a lot of people confuse them, but for us, sexual abuse would be um, something that is from an adult to a minor and a sexual assault would be um, similar age people, um, adults or teens towards each other. Um, anytime there's any of that that occurs, we see a lot of trauma and there's different types of trauma. There is um, single layer trauma and then there's something that's called complex trauma. And that's when multiple traumas had a, occurred in a person's life, which make it a lot more complicated to recover and heal from what's occurred. Um, going to go back to your question again. I think what ends up happening is people start paying attention to their surroundings more. People start wondering if somebody who was previously safe, are they now a safe person? Um, I think people start mistrusting or not trusting people as easily as they have before. And there are a lot of changes. Um, this is typically something that happens to people's body. And so they can learn to deal with their trauma by rejecting their body or hating their body or not liking their body at some point. Those are some of the things that occur, but it's it's also such a complexity that not everybody has the same response. Um, they also now have to deal with, like depending on if something happened at night, can they sleep? Do they feel safe sleeping? If something happened during the day, how do they feel being alone? How do they feel um, being in school around people? They wonder, do people know about what happened to me? And a lot of times people um, keep this a secret. They keep it a secret because they're embarrassed, they're scared, they're ashamed. And so um, they try really hard to keep it a secret and that takes a toll on who they are and who they can talk to. So the second question is, why do you think that women and girls of younger ages get harassed more than women who are older? I will say that my experience is that um, a lot of young children 
are sexually abused because there is that accessibility. People have access to children and children necessarily do not know, depending where they are in their development, they do not know that something is bad or there is a likelihood that they're not gonna say something. At what age do you think it is important that children receive sexual ed education? so that they can learn about this and how to prevent it. Yeah. So I actually think that should be like a continuum of education, starting at a very young age and making that education appropriate to their development. So um, research and literature say that children who know the accurate names of their body parts are less likely to be victimized because a suspect or a perpetrator um, will think that they won't, that they will say something. Why do you think that many times we hear about sexual assault cases not being highly prioritized in the justice system? You know, my experience in this county is that they are. I can't speak for nationwide and obviously not global in, in what capacity. But I feel like in our county, San Mateo County, um, sexual assault cases are prioritized. Um, I work very closely with the district attorney's office. And uh, my experience with them is that whenever there is an allegation of sexual abuse, they do take it seriously and they do uh, pay attention to a survivor's experience and what they would like to happen in the case systematically on a, like, a larger scale, um, it may not be prioritized in certain populations. Um, and those populations would be people who are low income, people with um, immigration statuses. Um, those might be some of the reasons why these types of crimes may be minimized. But my experience in our county is that we have responded really well to them. Why do you think that most perpetrators in sexual assault cases get away with their crime, even if the victim reports the assaults? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this, actually these are tricky crimes um, for a multitude of reasons. One, this is generally a he said, she said crime. And in a criminal setting, there needs to be something called corroboration, which means um, something that says that this actually did happen. With victims of sexual assaults, um, they do not generally report something right away. It generally takes some time to tell somebody. And that's because of all of the emotions that occur, right? So they're ashamed, they're embarrassed, they're scared, they've been threatened not to tell anybody. Um, there's potential immigration and they're scared to get police involved. And so when they do finally decide to talk about something, when they're ready to talk about something, there generally is not evidence available anymore. And so it is harder to charge in cases where there isn't evidence and it is a he said, she said. However, detectives have some very interesting and savvy ways 
of um, getting more information. What can bystanders do to prevent sexual assault and or harassment in public spaces? I would definitely say, you know, stop and ask for help if you see something, report something if you see something, if you feel comfortable and safe enough, speak up and say, hey, that's not okay. Um, but obviously it's, it's an unsafe situation. You wanna call some security, law enforcement, um, somebody with authority who can come in and stop a situation. What are some things that you think that people can do online? Like if they see something online that maybe is depicting sexual harassment and assault in a wrong way, or they see maybe like cyberbullying, which involves sexual harassment and assault. Is there a way they can report that? Will that be categorized as a crime or is that a not reportable? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, you know, I went to um, a training recently with a um, juvenile district attorney and I asked a really similar question. I asked, you know, what would we do if somebody is sexualizing somebody's regular normal picture? Is that a crime? Um, and their response was that if it's something in regards to like a student, two students doing this to each other, you want to connect with the school and you want to let the school know that something is occurring and hopefully that they could get their, what we call school resource officer involved to talk to the students and let them know that that is not appropriate. Now, if that doesn't work, it would definitely go higher up towards the district. I don't know if it would be like a legal matter, but um, you could always consult with your local police department to see if there's anything they can do or any way to assist but I think starting at the source is probably your best bet, if possible. What are your thoughts on rape culture? You know what, I saw this. I was actually curious a little bit more about it. Um, is it okay, can you tell me a little bit of, of rape culture and what your definition is or kind of like what your I, thinking was behind this question? Yes, I think the definition after researching a little bit about this, the definition that I came up with is how society kind of endor even endorses or encourages or normalizes um, sexual assault and harassment. And I think a victim blaming is a part of rape culture. It's basically just a broad topic about how society, what is society's connections with um, sexual assault and harassment? And what do does society do, like maybe media, what does media convey about this topic? What do people teach their kids? Um, it's just basically a little bit about like how us as humans kind of react to the kind of, to this. Mm, okay. Well, I think there's been like a historical objectification of women. So not looking at women as a whole, but objectifying them in the sense of looking at them as body parts. And I think that's been accepted. I think it's, it's been accept, accepted, excuse me, 
for an extremely long time, even by women. And as feminism has grown and become more uh, prominent in today's society, people are realizing that just because a woman wears particular clothes doesn't mean she's looking for it as what people used to say in, in the past. Um, and so I think there is more growing and growing knowledge around a woman being able to wear whatever she wants um, and that in no way depicting her personality, her sexuality, um, or anything in regards to her identity. But there's still a lot of opposition towards that. And there's still a lot of people who don't relate those two things together. And um, there is also a historical piece of men having a lot of power. And sexual, sexual abuse, sexual assault is a lot about power and control. Um, there is a difference between people who are pedophiles, who um, gain sexual gratification off of children, and people who sexually abuse minors. And the reason why is because there's more of a, a want for power and control over the person. What are the next steps that you think society needs to take to stop sexual assault and harassment? I am like a massive proponent to education, a massive proponent to education. I don't think people realize how much sexual abuse and sexual assault there is. I truly do not think people realize how much is going on even in our little county. Um, we interview children and adults all the time, every day. Um, there's rarely a day when we are not talking to somebody about their experience and what has occurred to them. Um, I think parents need to be educated on red flags for their children. I think kids need to be educated on what's appropriate and inappropriate touch. I think uh, everybody needs to be educated on consent and what consent is and what it looks like. Um, everybody should know that their what their rights are. Everybody should be able to practice saying no in different points in their lives. Um, there's just needs to be so much mass education on all of these things. And one of the things I've always felt that could happen, like a quicker way of getting that done is like, let's put out a PSA, a public service announcement, which like, do you know, sometimes when, um, like a child is kidnapped, everybody's phones goes off, or there's a commercial yeah. on TV that says, hey, kid's been kidnapped. Um, I think there needs to be one of those on sexual abuse. Everybody just needs to get the same kind of information, like really loud and in your face. So parents are educated and children are educated because I think the large population isn't. What are some county resources like flyers or handouts online maybe um, that are available around this topic? Um, so San Mateo County has RTS, which is Rape Trauma Services. They provide 24 seven, um, they have a hotline, excuse me, a hotline that is available 24 seven. 
They provide advocacy in the case somebody needs to go to court. They provide free counseling, education, peer support. Um, that is a great resource for Center County. Also, if something occurs and you are concerned about your body, um, law enforcement will connect you to something called the Keller Center, which does medical forensic exams. Those exams um, can test your body for evidence, but can also just check to see if you have any questions about what occurred and if you have any concerns about your body. Um, you have a lot of rights as a survivor of sexual abuse and or sexual assault. And so knowing that you can go to these places and you can decide to do something about it criminally or decide not to do something about it criminally and you'll still get support is I think huge. Do you see a lot of representation of men who are who are survivors of sexual harassment or abuse or assaults and do you think that toxic masculinity maybe plays a role in this where men feel like they can't speak out because they're not being a man or something like that mm -hmm. and so i'll tell you i generally work with children um, so my experience with adult males is small However, I do agree with you that this idea of masculinity would interfere with them coming in and making a report. However, statistically of the children that we do see, and I'm talking, you know, like three years old to 18, sometimes older, 21, 22, 25-ish, um, it is an overwhelming amount of females that we see over males. And I don't think it's because it's not happening to boys. I think it's because there's so much stigma about a boy being abused. Um, I think boys are really uncomfortable on a different level than women are. They have different types of, of emotions around being sexually abused. There is the part of sexuality that makes them uncomfortable. And so speaking out about this stuff is, is different for boys than it is for girls. Um, and so the percentage of boys that we see is smaller. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. And I really appreciate the time that you've put in to talk with me. I'm sure that this interview has left our listeners with a lot to think about.